You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. I'm Dan Gable, Technology Manager for the LRC. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. On this episode, we take a step back and ask the question, are there good and bad language students? Do some people have a knack for languages that give them some sort of advantage? Researchers have isolated some individual, some actual individual uh, factors in language learning that can make somebody a better language learner uh, than somebody else. These factors have been used by the uh, armed forces and by um, institutions like the Peace Corps to figure out how long it might take somebody as opposed to somebody else to uh, learn a language. So these are things like, uh, not, not too surprising, things like uh, memory, uh, general intelligence, a kind of specific thing called phonetic coding, how well you can remember the sounds of what somebody said right after they said it, and then some ability to understand what's up uh, grammatically in a, in a sentence. Today we're asking the question, what is a good or bad language learner? And to tackle this, I'm here once again with the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University, Dick Feldman. Hi, Dick. Hi. Can you even say what makes a good or bad language learner? Can we look at that even? Well, we can certainly discuss it, yes. I think, and there are some factors that go into making somebody a good and bad language learner but they often aren't the ones that people think are the, those factors are. And, you know, you, you have to wonder why so many Americans think they are bad language learners. I really think more so than in many other languages. So maybe there's some factors going on that aren't immediately obvious. Hmm. We've, uh, we've actually talked about that before, the English uh, from the American perspective versus uh, internationally. Um, and the difference is there, but what makes a, an American any less of a, or a what, make, what makes an American have more trouble than uh, someone from another country? Well, yes, there are a range of factors, um, and some of them are, you might say, kind of situational, as like, like uh, national and cultural and geographic. Mm. Um, but uh, researchers have isolated some individual, some actual individual uh, factors in language learning that can make somebody a better language learner uh, than somebody else. Oh. These factors have been used by the uh, armed forces and by um, institutions like the Peace Corps to d figure out how long it might take somebody as opposed to somebody else to uh, learn a language. Um, and so these are things like, uh, not, not too surprising, things like uh, memory, sure, uh, general intelligence, a kind of specific thing called phonetic coding, how well you can remember the sounds of what somebody said right after they said it. Mm. So that's different from remembering the content or the meaning of what they said, but just kind of the ability to play sounds back in your head. Uh. And then some ability to understand what's up uh, grammatically in a, in a sentence, to see the meaning relationships among words in a sentence. Um, 
and these factors do vary some among individuals, but um, I don't think among Americans they're probably the uh, greatest, that, that, that those factors are responsible for the greatest uh, amount of variation in how people report their uh, language learning ability. You have um, uh, experience learning languages yourself. Um, I have. Dan, uh, how how would you report on that uh, success? Well, it's interesting. Look, like looking at what you just pointed out, memory, intelligence, the phonetic coding, these things, everything you mentioned there, I feel um, that I have as an ability that these, uh, there are aspects of my personality and the way I think and um, um, the way I learn that would make me a, a, a great language learner, I would, I would have thought. But I think uh, what I've learned, so I've learned uh, two languages as an adult or you know, tr- attempted to learn two different languages. Uh, one was Hebrew, which I learned in an academic environment, taking a Cornell course, a couple of Cornell courses. Um, and the other was uh, Korean, which I decided to learn completely on my own. I would have thought that my approach to Korean would have been more successful than my approach to Hebrew because um, I, I I knew I was going to South Korea twice. I uh, had motivation to uh, to learn it. But um, well, what I think I learned was that, that what I think I discovered about the whole process was that uh, I'm better off in a class for one thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And and where I really got bungled up was sort of overdoing it with memorizing words. Mm-hmm. That's That was my personal challenge, that I just kind of got obsessed with vocabulary lists and um, and even some, you know, phrases like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm uh, interested, I wanted to really be able to order food and talk about food when I was in Korea. So I would learn um, phrases specific to to that, or just learn a whole bunch of vocabulary that related to cuisine, and um, in the end, I found that I knew hundreds of vocabulary words, but that as soon as anybody spoke to me or I tried to put together sentences, I would uh, I would I was not very successful. I th- I think you're getting there at one of the key elements of language learning, language use which is that it's essentially social and interactional. Right. You what what we do with language is we have interchange with other people. We express ourselves, we get feedback from other people and I have a kind of basic uh, uh, understanding of learning and language learning really gen- learning generally and that is you learn to do what you practice. Right. If you go to class and talk in English about grammar, then that's what you learn to do. Yeah. It doesn't magically convert into becoming fluent. And if you memorize vocabulary, um, that's what you're going to be yeah. <laughs> going to be yeah. good at. Sure. I had an ESL student once who said he had uh, memorized thirteen thousand English words. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't doubt him. Right. Uh, but that also didn't make him uh, 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 fluent. You know, sure. retrieving those words and. Right. The, uh, you know, the lack of the kind of practice that maybe you got in your Hebrew class. Right, definitely. Um, and having a group that you do things with, that's the, the, the native environment for language use is sure. a group of other people. Right, yeah, and, and having the pressure of 
being forced to respond. The teacher asks you a question, and you're in front of a group of people, and you have to mm-hmm. understand what he's saying and be able to respond to it. You, you remarked on one of the other very important factors in success in language learning, and that is why are you learning it? Why do you care? Right. Motivation. Based, that's it. What is, what is your motivation for it? So you had, um, you know, certainly motivation for, I think, both the languages you learned. Sure. You, you had uh, uh, cultural and some travel interest in Hebrew as well as uh, uh, Korean. And um, you're, I guess, also the kind of guy that doesn't do stuff lightly. If you're going to do right. it, <laughs> you put yourself into it. For sure. Um, but if you think about... Um, Americans and some of the issues we talked about last time about the use of English around the world, for some of them, their motivation to learn another language, to actually have that kind of interchange with people and their opportunity to have that interchange, you see some of the reasons why Americans often say, often put that on themselves and think it's something about me, I'm a bad language learner. Hmm. The more motivated you are, the main result of that is the amount of simply the amount of time on task, right. how much time you spend doing something. Sure. Now, maybe that's memorizing words, maybe it's analyzing uh, grammar, and maybe it's uh, having conversation with somebody, and those might be variably efficient ways to learn the language, but it's, that's certainly an important factor, just how much time did you, did you spend doing it? And um, uh, if you just take a class and you've got four hours a week where you, le- where you are thinking in the language, except maybe you're looking at your phone sometime of that time during class, um, you know, that just isn't enough to get going. Sure, sure. Well, you know, that actually makes me think of, uh, of I wanted to ask you just for practical advice for people who might be listening to this. Would you be able, could you give uh, specific advice to both the college student that's learning and uh, the adult learner or, you know, someone just learning on their own without the guidance of a teacher, um, you, you know, I assume you would have different advice for each of those learners. And I wonder if you could share that. Well, I'm not sure it's so different. Mm. Um, if you talk to people who whose language learning feelings about themselves, the kind of their language learning image uh, comes from high school, um, you find some people who, a fair number, who say that they're bad language learners. And, <clears throat> uh, you know, some of that is because of the quality of instruction that they've received and yeah. secondarily the relationship of that instruction to their learning styles. Right. This is another factor that comes in here. How sensitive are you to being corrected? Some students report being just frozen because they're all their time in class, they were worried if they made a mistake, the teacher would jump on them and they'd be asked to repeat and repair. And then when they got out into the big world, sure enough, they were worried about making mistakes. Right. No surprise there. If that's what you, again, what, you, what you've done in class uh, affects what you learn and how you, how you, how you behave. Other people... Um, uh, take that fairly easily. Um, and that's an important uh, a factor generally um, that you can modify to some extent, I think. When you're learning a language, you become 
less of a personality. If you're going to express yourself in a new language you don't know very well, you can't project yourself onto other people in the same way. Right. So you have to be able to tolerate that, to making mistakes, to sounding stupid, to sitting there stuttering, trying to think of a word. Yeah. But it, but that, that struggle is really important. Yeah. If you don't allow yourself to do that struggle and you only volunteer to speak when you're sure you've got the sentence perfectly worked out, well, that's what you're going to do when you run into real situations, too. Yeah, it's, sure. It's not going to be effective. So that struggle and willing to willingness to do that, I think, is the case for, for, for both. But if you don't have the opportunity to speak with somebody, like learning it on your own, that's a problem because you, 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 you don't have the opportunity to struggle in front of somebody. And, and that's an important part. So one of the things I'd say to solo learners is find a way that you can talk to a real person. Right. Don't just study by yourself in language. That's not what language is about. Right. So there are online ways to do that. Sure. Uh, you can find a language language partner to do exchange with maybe. Right. Um, if you have the money, maybe you can pay a tutor mm -hmm. and have that person uh, just uh, uh, have conversation with you and, and have the opportunity to speak. So... Um, on the other hand, with a learning by yourself, not in a class, you have the opportunity to form the language learning environment in a way that suits your learning style. Right. If you are uh, like to be corrected a fair amount, we'll tell that to your tutor or language partner. If you're very sensitive to it and you know that you just like speaking on and you're able to uh, uh, tolerate not knowing uh, whether you're doing it right or not, but you feel that that's productive to you, tell your tutor or language partner not to correct you. Right. So that's something you can't always do. You can't tell the teacher in a class how to handle you as a student, as one of the students in the class. So you may be subject to the teacher's uh, um, uh, uh, style. Sure. Um, maybe in some cases a student, if you know yourself well, and you realize you're a bad fit with a teacher, maybe you should take it another semester, try to have yeah. another teacher yeah. or uh, 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 something like that. So the getting yourself in the situation where you speak with actual people is uh, really important and something that needs to be one, done one way or another in uh, uh, a language learning. And that's why we do pair work in classes. Sure. What did you do when you studied Korean by yourself? Did you find people to speak with? Uh, well, I was lucky enough that the uh, the Korean church here at Cornell has a Sunday school for um, for young children and for older Cornell community interested in learning. Um, so I was paired up. My my wife and I were paired up. With, my wife also learned in Korean. Um, we uh, we were paired up with a young woman who was you know would sit with us once a week and um, and go over you know whatever we we wanted. Um, and so we were able to get a little bit of that, but not as much as I think would have been helpful. I mean, especially having this conversation, I'm sort of realizing even more. Um, but that was kind of obvious to me that, um, and in fact, in that situation, I think what would have helped would have been, I noticed that this student, you know, she, this is a student and here we're older and she yeah. probably didn't feel like... Yeah. She just wanted to, you know, kind of help us in any way that we th we thought she could help us. So that was m for me. How do you say? Uh, how do you ask for more kimchi? How do you, uh, you know, order mm -hmm. this particular dish? Mm -hmm. How do you? 
as opposed to you know just come come at us with language and, yeah. and talk to us and sort of force me right um, and you know we've had students uh, in fact you've <laughs> encouraged uh, students I can think of one or two um, Korean students that was wor- that worked for us at the language center who you yeah. advised to just come into my office and start hounding me with uh, you know <laughs> right. questions and uh, and and not really uh, you know it seems to me it's a issue of control uh, you know I don't I think I would have been better off sort of not having the control over what it is I thought I needed to be working on I, I needed somebody to push me um, but but and not just push me generally with the language but as you're saying give me uh, situations give me uh, uh, context and force me to speak and communicate in a way that um, I might actually communicate with somebody who's uh, talking to me. Right. Real interchange is basically unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, In the history of language teaching, we used to think that language teachers could write dialogues, that students could memorize them, and then they'd be able to speak the language. Right. And, you know, for the most part, that didn't work very well because your partner never knew the other half of the dialogue right? and went off in different directions and left you there flailing around, uh, not, not so, so clear where to go. Um, you know, sort of to summarize, in the United States here, there are a lot of reasons for people to think of themselves as bad language learners. Um, uh, many of them don't have the kind of motivation uh, situational motivation you did of a, of a cultural interest or an imminent uh, trip, so their motivation is low. Right. Um, they don't have the opportunity to speak. You know, the in some language classes, uh, the fact is uh, uh, teachers do most of the speaking. Right. Um, and in some classes, teachers are very good at not doing most of the speaking. And many of our Cornell teachers are very aware of this of this issue and try yeah. and, and don't you know say some modeling of the language, but make sure that the students have a lot of opportunity to speak. But really, three or four hours a week, even if you're speaking what a third of the time during that time, that just isn't enough. Yeah. So you know, people places where people are just naturally, of course they can learn the language, where the idea of somebody being a language, a bad language learner, isn't even really a concept. Those are cultures where there's other languages around all the time, mm-hmm. where you can just wander down to the market and speak another language with somebody, and you do that, and it's available all the time. So that's an issue in the United States, though, of course, the country's changing in that way as we become more of a multilingual country. Yeah. And with a little bit of effort in most places, you can find people to uh, speak with. But as much as trying to improve your memory, much as uh, I, I don't really know how you would do that, mm. um, but contr- the things you can control are how much effort you go to, to have an interlocutor. To mm-hmm. find somebody to speak with, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that makes a big difference in how successful you are as a language learner, and it's probably affected by how how motivated you were in the first place. Right, right. Interesting. Well, and in fact, one of our more recent uh, 
uh, services that we uh, offer here or one of our new programs at the Language Center kind of seems to me points right at this issue, and that's our uh, our conversation hours. Um, I wonder if we could finish with a description of what that is and uh, and actually how a student who's interested might be able to get involved with that. Yes, good point. Um, we've taken on uh, hosting the language house language uh, conversation hours. That's uh, in uh, five languages. Uh, let's see, that's Arabic, French, Spanish, German, and Japanese. Um, then we have, uh, we've uh, originated uh, uh, conversation hours in a bunch of other languages and are uh, starting up more as we speak. You know, students uh, uh, sometimes think, well, I need to speak with a native speaker or be corrected by the teacher, but that's not completely true. Just having the opportunity to speak, to express yourself in a real situation with a real other person sitting there looking at you is very productive language practice. For one thing, it makes clear to you what it is you wanted to say and that you didn't know to, how to say it. So you become really ready to learn that thing when you see it in a, in a, in a book or you hear somebody else say it. So if you're interested in a language conversation hour, look on our website. You'll see the list of the days and times. Anybody's free to come anytime uh, to those uh, uh, conversation hours. We have uh, uh, everyone is one hour a week. That's not that much, but if you only have three or four hours a week of class, uh, of class a week, that's one more. Um, so just come by anytime those are going on, and uh, the uh, leader has a topic and uh, sort of a structure and uh, has set it up so everybody gets a chance to speak, um, which, as we've uh, explained, uh, speaking and interacting with somebody is the basic move of why we have language and right. how we learn it. Right. That's great. Okay, well, um, and for more information on that, um, schedules and everything, they can, uh, anyone interested can go to our website at uh, lrc.cornell.edu. Um, there will be a link to the conversation hours there for more information. Um, and be sure to check us out on Facebook. There's uh, announcements about such things there as well. Join our, uh, our group on Facebook. Thanks, Dick. Right. A pleasure. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Sam Lukwitz and Dan Gable. Recorded by Sam Lukwitz. Original music by Sam Lukwitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson.